0: We're Climb Marketing and you're listening to The Crux podcast. This is The Crux, the monthly podcast where we navigate through digital marketing strategies, challenges and success stories. I'm David Olteen, and today we're discussing 2021 marketing budgets with Climb's president Jeremy LePaden and our VP of client services Robbie Bullog. Hey hey. Hey David. So with 2021 on the horizon, it's that time of year where marketers are plotting out their budgets and activities for the following year, Jeremy as a business owner and the one probably with the most budgeting experience among us. Can you tell us how you typically start to plot out a marketing budget for the following year?
1: Yep, absolutely. So, you know, you need to start with getting a sense of, you know, where your revenue, uh, is going to end up. Um, and of course we don't all have crystal balls, but you know, there's a couple ways that companies typically approach this and, you know, uh, this is not just going to be handled within the marketing department, right? The executive team and your sales leaders are also going to be contributing to this um, thought process. But, you know, fundamentally, uh, you're either going to take the approach of like, all right, what's our current trajectory? What did we do this year? What are we going to do this year? You know, what we think is a reasonable percentage of that revenue that we could stack on top next year. Um, You know, but, then you might have a, you know, a different attitude towards it and say like, well, uh, what do we from a goal setting or aspirational perspective, like what do we want to strive for and what are we going to stretch for and build towards that's not just based on past performance and current momentum and, and things like that. Um, so those are the two ways that I think about it. Well, anything else you guys have to offer?
0: Right. Um, I think you'll also occasionally see a top-down approach, right, where it's just essentially just the executive team telling the marketers right. this is how much money you have to work with. Yeah. You know, not a ton of strategy in, involved in that sometimes, uh, unless the leadership team has done that imse- themselves. But you know, you do occasionally see where this is your finite budget; you have to work within this. All right. All um, right. Well, and, then forget yeah. it. Then that's that's how most <laughs> companies are doing it, anyways. So. Right. Um. Right. Um, but I think you know, to your point, probably percentage of revenue is the is the most common method we've seen uh, amongst our clients and even i think amongst our our work experience in the past as well Mm -hmm. um yeah i agree but i i think goal driven is is also a a more common method too but that requires a lot of tracking and a lot of data input not only with like the current year with 2020 but also moving ahead to 2021 especially for b2b businesses like we work with it's a little tougher to to kind of quantify the value of a lead right so sometimes that goal-driven approach uh, it takes a lot of data. It takes a lot of estimation, right? With with quantifying the value of a lead to you, and then you know determining what you know how many leads in total you're expecting for the next year, right? So, right. a little bit more more cumbersome than like a percentage of revenue approach,
1: but I think it's it's really valuable if you, if you have that data and you have the ability to do that. Yeah, but you've got to have that recipe all the way from beginning to end of like you know backing up, starting at revenue what's your revenue goal. How many opportunities do you have to close for that to happen? And then what's your, you know, conversion rate at each point in that, that, that funnel. Um, And, you know, there are what you guys would probably agree. Like there's a very uh, smaller minority of companies that have clear visibility there uh, than those that don't, you know, so it's a little, it's a little tricky.
0: A little bit easier for an e-commerce or like a retail company, right? Where they have clear, you know, (laughs) revenue tied to every single sale they make. And they can do that within their website property where for us, a lot of times it's just a contact form or a potential lead, right? So it's a little bit tougher. Um, but I think us internally at Climb, we use a percentage of revenue method. And I know Jeremy used that quite a bit in the past. Can you kind of tell us about, you
1: know, what percentage of revenue or, or range that you'd expect like a typical B2B company to use? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, well, if we're talking about setting, so there's two different percentages of revenue that come into play there. Like, you know, there's when you're when you're charting a course for what is next year's revenue going to look like, um, you know, there's your, uh, you know, like uh, how fast of a clip are you growing and and whatever. Um, But then there's also like what percent of your top line revenue should you devote typically to marketing? And if that's if that's what you're asking, like, you know, there's a range there. Um, you know, that that we see across clients and that you also hear talked about, you know, in in marketing circles. And it's really going to be anywhere from uh, 5% to 12 or 15% total spend on marketing. But if you're in a growth posture, you're not just sort of like trying to remain, you know, in some sort of equilibrium, Uh, you know, 10% of top line revenues is probably where you need to be spending. It could vary based on your business model, but um, you know you, you may be spending twelve or fifteen percent. And when we talk about like total spend on marketing, I'm I'm referring to everything: so staffing, outsourced costs, tools and platforms, and things like that. Ad spend, like the whole enchilada that goes into your right. marketing activities. right? And and I know in the digital space, we also have you know some visibility
0: into competitors as well. And Robbie, I know this is an area that you have quite a bit of expertise with just from doing so much digital advertising can you kind of talk about like the competition matching approach that you sometimes see for for digital advertising in some of the digital channels
2: yeah definitely so there are some tools available to help kind of gauge what your competitors are doing um, at least in a digital space um, for advertising so SEM rush is a really great tool for that you can plug in a competitor's domain name and they'll um, SEM rush will give you basically their analysis of uh, ads that have popped up on, you know, through, through their tracking tools, um, over a certain time range, I think you can actually adjust the time range as well. So if you wanted to look at the entirety of a year to get a sense of what your competitors were, were doing activity wise, you could probably do that with a tool like SEM rush. Um, but in addition to getting some visibility into what your competitors are doing, they attempt to estimate budgets. So, I mean, it's, it's a lot easier to do this with, um, like paid search advertising where it's, a cost per click model, and so you can easily figure out: okay, if they're showing up on these set of keywords, and this is the average cost uh, to show up on those keywords, and you can do the do the back of the napkin math and figure out how much they probably were spending on a monthly and annual basis. Um, those are going to be estimates or ratios, so I wouldn't put a ton of stock into that in terms of <laughs> right. uh, you know making your budgets based off that or anything. And obviously, there's a lot of other considerations. But um, if you just want to get a sense of where the competitive marketplaces at,
1: I would start with a tool like that to kind of give you a sense of what they're spending and where they're, they're spending. Yeah. And that, and that's really important. Um, you know, if you are, uh, you know, an underdog, you know, and you want to, and you want to understand like, all right, if we need to be aggressive, cause we're trying to catch up or we need to be aggressive because we're fending off people nipping at our heels. If you're in the leader position, understanding, you know, at least in broad you know ranges like about what your various competitors are spending uh is super valuable obviously like it's all in how you use that budget right so your competitors might be this is super common like dumping tons of money into advertising but without managing it really adeptly and so it's you know they're getting a much lower roi so you know you can if you're in an underdog position or you don't have the budget sometimes you know uh It helps to know where your competitors are at, but you also might need to just accept that you can't afford to do (laughs) uh, exactly what your competitors are doing. So you need to use it smarter, right? You need to be, you know, laser focused and and demand, you know, like a high uh, degree of performance out of your marketing programs.
2: Yeah, that's that. uh, David, for you, I have a question for you basically on that. You know, I don't want this to turn into a podcast about SEM Rush, (laughs) but from an, an organic search perspective, right, there's. A lot of visibility or there's a lot of insight to be gained from that tool as well um you know looking kind of the, the opposite of advertising like you know you talk about visibility a lot as an seo um you know any, any thoughts there on right certainly sort of like investing yeah. in seo in the coming year yeah i think i think it's certainly
0: like looking at competitors rankings and kind of if they're you know have an advantage overview from a organic search visibility standpoint i think it definitely forecasts some needs for the upcoming year with SEO, though, it's a little bit more consistent as far as budgeting goes, right? It's usually just more consistent. You know, we're, we're contributing this much content to the website this, like per month or we're, we're trying to publish this much content. So it's not really as much of like a, a, a quantity of, of how much we intend on spending or how much we intend on like a particular campaign on, on spending in the upcoming year it's more just identifying needs. So I think a lot of times people will budget for SEO, but it's not really like a, a finite, like a specific amount that they're trying to put into a campaign, right? It's mm-hmm. more just that continuous growth. So I think it definitely helps with like identifying needs and, and kind of showing deficiencies. Usually people budget for SEO a little bit more consistently than they than they might with like advertising though.
1: Right, but there is an element, a competitive element of like, it, it is a little bit of a content war, right? And so like knowing kind of where your competitors stand from a content like written content on their website or their blog, as well as like video production, video content they may be producing and just understanding that landscape and like how you need to, you know, uh, perform in terms of the volume of content you're creating to, to back up or support your organic, uh, you know, program. Right, um,
0: yeah, yeah, and I think as you, as we talk about you know, kind of allocating your budget and which channels you should you should put your money toward, um, I think competitive research at the end of this year is hugely important for any channel, right? So if you if you're recognizing that you have deficiencies with advertising or SEO or social media competition, like that is really a, a great input going into the next year, right of kind of defining your budget and determining your priorities. Um, so I I really value that. I think though, at the same time, you do to your point, Jeremy. You have to set limitations, right? If you're David going up against Goliath from like an advertising standpoint, you shouldn't be spending like Goliath, or you're you're gonna you're gonna break your company, right? so so i think it's it's tough but at the same time it's really important now to, to identify those deficiencies and then really to identify what's working and what's already working right so can you kind of talk to like defining your marketing mix and kind of how you evaluate those individual channels and and what's working what's not and any unexplored opportunities or anything like that
1: yeah i mean i think that's the breakdown that the most uh you know marketing leaders need to think about their marketing mix As they head into a new year, it's, um, you know, having a good bead on current performance of current programs and and specific campaigns and things like that and being really thoughtful about like, well, how did that work? What are we seeing in terms of return? Has it paid off yet? Has it come to fruition yet? Uh, And if and if so, like you're going to know instinctively that there are poor performers and there are, you know, runaway successes and then everything in between. And so that really should drive, uh, you know, to some degree, like what you're going to set as your marketing mix for the coming year. Heavy up maybe on your you know, strong performers um, or, or expand, try to replicate the successes that you had. Maybe it was an advertising campaign or a content campaign or something, um, you know, and, and whittle down, you know, trim away some of the stuff that just wasn't, um, you know, contributing to your success in this year. I really believe strongly in marketing leadership always budgeting for new initiatives or experimentation and innovation, right? Like the digital marketing landscape is not going to be the same next year as it is this year. The platforms aren't going to be consistently relevant or important. Obviously like Google is still going to be around next year, Facebook's you know going to still be around next year, whatever. So uh, you know, some things are going to be more static or stable and, and relevant this next year as they are this year. But uh, setting aside like 10 or 20 percent of your total marketing budget for new endeavors, because, you know, on a certain level, you just don't know what's going to work until you've tried it. And so you just you need to give your spa- yourself room. And maybe this is a luxury that's hard to envision taking for a lot of companies when budgets are tight and things like that. But uh, you got to give yourself some shots on goal to try to get some to try to get some wins, you know, uh, in new areas. So I I really think about that. So it's going to be a hybrid of like, current marketing mix, what's winning, what's losing, and then, you know, some experimental areas.
0: Right. So so you're telling us that we're dumping a bunch of money into TikTok in 2021. Going all in, I, in on TikTok. This is what I'm getting. B2B no. marketing
1: is going to take <laughs> over TikTok next yeah. year. That's yeah. That's my forecast.
0: Probably not. Uh-huh. But but uh, Robbie, on the topic of like digital advertising, I know there are a lot of platforms and, and settings and tools within those platforms that are kind of providing you recommendations on how much potential spend you have, how much potential reach you'd have, and, and what budget that would require can you kind of talk to some of those features within some of the advertising platforms you use, and how that helps you kind of forecast
2: budgets or define budgets? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I just went through this exercise last week with with one of our bigger clients. Um, so it is top of mind. Um, I'll start with just paid search. I mean, this is it's it's a foundational aspect of what we do as an agency. So I think I can speak to that a little more in depth. But so for paid search advertising on Google specifically, um, there are a lot of data inputs and metrics you can use to kind of gauge what slice of the pie you're currently um, occupying with advertising right out of the total potential impressions that you could get from ads um, so we use that basically to project for next year you know low medium high uh, situations for our clients like here's what you could expect to see if you increase your budget by x amount you would gain this slice of the pie you know and then go on from there for, for medium and high projection. And that's the,
1: that's the share of the total possible impressions you might be able to get.
2: Right. And so, I mean, in Google specifically, that's called the search impression share. Um, so I use that kind of as a starting point, but then there's, there's other inputs too, like what have your conversion rates been, um, for particular initiatives within that. Um, and then you can use that to sort of, obviously, if you understand your goals and in depth, then you can kind of, uh, move the levers based on what you expect to perform the best, you know, invest heavily in those. Um, again, if you have like a really good sense of, of value for a lead, um, you can work backwards from that as well and just kind of figure out how much you can actually afford to spend before you get a lead and, and, you know, and then level up from there. So, um, yeah, that's kind of a wide ranging answer, but there are definitely, thankfully with digital advertising, a lot of data points, um, to review and to draw on to, you know,
1: come up with your numbers for the following year. Right. And to not to be cold water, but, um, there's also, uh, like the other, the flip side of the coin, you have to be careful about like understanding when you might start to achieve diminishing returns, right? Like you can't just draw that, best fit line like extended out into the future forever and just be like well if we just keep turning the dial up it's just going to keep going you know and that that applies to every channel right so it's having a sensitivity to like okay what's the where's the room for potential growth within this channel and where does it start falling off or where where do we expect that it's going to start falling off you know as we dial it up because you know email marketing uh You know, depending on how you segment and manage your lists and stuff like that, there may only be so many messages and so many campaigns that you want to run before you start bumping up against, uh, you know, some diminishing returns. Advertising, you know, SEO, there's even, you know, like um, you don't want to, you know, the strength of your website from a domain authority perspective. uh, It's kind of like a budget. And it it can only support a certain volume of content, right? You don't want to make a 1,000 pages of content with a a site that's got really weak authority because Google's going to say, oh, you're just like a cheap little content farm. (laughs) None of your content is actually worth being shown, you know. So there's even some proportionality considerations you need to have from an SEO and content perspective. So, yeah, just thinking about all of that is important.
0: And, and I think with, with SEO too, similar to like advertising, you have priorities, right? So you have, you know, a defined audience that you really want to reach and an SEO that's, that's generally done through a keyword or a query, right? Where you'd expect those individuals to really pursue you similar to like advertising, especially search advertising, where you, you probably have these defined priorities. And as you, you start to rank well for those and you work down that list, you know, you're going to get into keywords that may not be as conversion oriented or may not be as valuable or maybe a little bit more informational or lower in the marketing funnel. Right. But,
2: but. Yeah. Th- I think there, it, was, it, it, there was one other thing I wanted to, um, mention too, while Jeremy was talking earlier about what's working, what's not, um, just based on some things that have, that I've seen over the, the years working in an agency setting with a lot of clients. Um, this may sound like oversimplified or obvious, but I think being in a marketing team, you can, you can kind of be in a bubble right from the sales side of things. Um, especially if you're really deep on specific activities within marketing, I think it's easy to lose sight of like, what's that, what's, what are your customers actually talking about with your sales team and how is your sales team interfacing with them and what's, what's driving those conversations? I mean, hopefully at your organization, it's, it's an open line of communication, but a lot of times it's not, especially at larger companies. And so I would use this end of the year time to really try to cross that bridge with your sales team and, uh, think of sales and marketing as more of a interconnected, uh, organism and, you know, have a conversation before the end of the year with some members of your sales team and see if you can learn anything about what's changed recently or
1: what's, what's happened over the previous year. Right. Yeah. That analog or qualitative data is, is, at, is actually, I mean, sometimes it's even more valuable than the quantitative stuff. That's easy to measure digitally, you know?
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And I think, you know, we're kind of leaving out like the traditional marketing pieces of, of a budget, right? So and I think that's one of the real values of having either a customer service representative or a receptionist or your sales team asking folks how they found out about you, how they heard about you. That really helps kind of flesh out some of those like the print channels or other advertising mediums that aren't digital that you might be using. Uh, it really helps to, to kind of get that more holistic picture because we're so focused obviously on the digital components, but it's nice to kind of get a read on effectiveness on, on traditional marketing channels, too. And I think that being integrated with your sales team and with your customer service team is a great way to do that.
1: All right. So that's a great place to segue into another important topic as we're thinking about budgeting for next year. Event marketing in person. Right sales and marketing activities like yeah
0: i don't know if you guys are are aware of this but there's a a global pandemic of of epic proportions going (laughs) on right now and it it might impede budgets a little bit for 2021
1: right Um, i mean it's like so far this year i mean i i bet you everybody listening to this would agree like losing massive shifts of budget from the event side to digital right like because that's what we've got right
0: and i know it's probably limiting budgets a little bit too i know you know, some of the clients we've spoken with are having to reel back budgets a little bit just because it's it's such an unpredictable year. It has been this year, and it probably will be in 2021, too. Um, so, Jeremy, how are you kind of thinking about, you oh know, gosh. in-person I mean, sales activity? I mean, are, you, are you open I'm, to it at all in 2021?
1: I, Can you kind of give us I your take there? I, I, I mean, this is my personal take, but I just don't think that until we have like a widely distributed, you know, vaccine, or we have like really good therapeutics that are broadly available for the coronavirus. Like it's just not, I don't think it's gonna be responsible to be doing tons of in-person events or even in-person sort of field sales, you know, and and things like that. So I, I, I think that like the first half of 2021, people should, in my opinion, people should plan on that being all in digital like we're doing now and uh and then boy keep our fingers crossed that second half of next year uh looks better than it does right now but that's i feel like there's a big question mark over that so i wouldn't budget more than what a quarter of what you might normally on in-person and event-based you know stuff right uh for 2021 that's my that's my take yeah but
0: i think there are alternatives right where instead of doing an in-person sales demo you're doing a digital demo or Mm -hmm. instead of a you know some sort of speaking engagement you're doing a webinar or even totally you know we're seeing some brands that are popping up digital conferences on their own which is a huge endeavor but i think it's really valuable in this
1: time right Um, hugely successful for, for some of our clients and other companies that we know about and like the innovation that the pandemic has forced upon everybody or sprung about, like in terms of getting really good at doing remote virtual demos of products and software to the point where like there's maybe even advantages over, uh, you know, uh, doing it in person. I, I, you know, I mean, it's, I, I, I wish just like everybody else to get back to whatever normal can be as soon as possible. But there are some silver linings, like some really impressive interesting things that have come about you know, among the really creative. Right.
0: And I know with the pandemic in regards to digital advertising, Robbie, you typically have approaches with geotargeting where you can kind of pursue like an office space or, you know, some, a group of individuals that you know are working in a similar location and now with everyone, you know, decentralized and remote. How does that kind of impact like geotargeting in the advertising
2: space for the upcoming year? Yeah, that's a tough question. I mean, there are, um, there are some creative solutions to that that get pretty technical. that Maybe I won't dive into here, <laughs> but in a general sense, I would not discount the effect of uh, brand awareness tools like like remarketing, display advertising. Um, it's, it's more important now, really, probably than ever to try to stay top of mind as people are spending more time online. Um, and so just being able to reinforce that through through video and display advertising, but from a remarketing perspective. So people that have been to your site previously or interacted with anything else that you've put out there, um, leverage some of those digital advertising tools to, uh, from that angle. Right. So not so much, not so much like a geographic targeting, but like, a um, an engagement targeting. So have they interacted with us previously and how can we leverage that going forward? Right. Right. So, yeah, so. Uh, To kick it back to you, Jeremy, do you get the sense that,
0: that marketing budgets in 2021 are probably going to be a little bit more conservative or, or err on the
1: side of caution just because, yeah, you know what it, we see it. I mean, I, we are very fortunate that you like our client set and, and our fundamental focus on B2B marketing, um, has been impacted nowhere near as badly as, you know, the, the economy as a whole and certainly like consumer goods marketing and, and brick and mortar and all of that. Um, so generally, yeah, I mean, I think that there are, there's the pandemic has taken a big bite out of the economy in certain sectors. I think your mileage is going to vary widely. I know that we, you know, m- most of our clients are feeling pretty bullish about, you know, like, in their prospects for next year because they're you know their businesses are still as relevant as ever and they're the the companies they're selling to are tending not to um, you know be as affected by the pandemic but uh, there's still I think the I think what the pandemic has brought about is a higher degree of alert and sensitivity to how money is being spent and and maybe more scrutiny than you should then in past years um about like well what are we really getting for these investments you know so even companies that aren't scaling back their marketing spend um they're giving a harder eye you know right. to it but I I think that's one of the beauties of of digital marketing, right?
0: And the digital analytics that we're afforded, you know, we have the ability to really quantify and determine ROI and, you know, it's, it's down to almost to a science. I know all digital marketing data is a little dirty, but at the same time, it is, it gives you so much more accuracy than you would with like traditional marketing channels. Right. So I think, yeah, (laughs) we're a broken record, right? Every, almost every episode we, we kind of hammer on the importance of having like a really solid analytics plan, right. And a really solid tracking plan, in the B2B space especially right because you you don't really have like the the direct revenue generated on your website properties usually so having being able to track those lead those leads and the lead sources and then having an estimated value for those leads hugely important as you kind of define your budget for 2021 yeah so yeah so just to to kind of recap i think that having that that grasp of what worked for you in 2020 what didn't work that's a great foundation to go off of Robbie, I think to your point, like having a, a solid targeting and understanding of who you're targeting from an advertising perspective and even other channels as well, right? That really feeds into your to your plan for 2021. Um, what other factors or major considerations would you guys consider as you kind of think about your 2021 budget?
1: 10 percent top line revenue, if you want to try to grow, it should be budgeted for marketing or more, right? that's staff, that's ad spend, that's marketing programs, technology, you know? Yeah. And then Jeremy, your point about setting aside 10 to
2: 20% of your budget for new initiatives or experimentation, especially with 2021 kind of being completely up in the air right now, yeah. <laughs> like having a little yeah, flexibility totally. in your budget's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm.
1: And And I would say that like, I think it'll pay off in the long run if you, don't get too gung-ho about expecting that events are going to come popping right back i think as a society there's going to be a lot of inertia that we're going to be up against to like returning to in-person events i mean it's going to cut both ways people are going to be really excited about it but so much remains to be seen that I would be conservative in uh, budgeting for events and in-person stuff. Right. I think
0: that can be really challenging, though, for a lot of companies that may have like event teams on staff, right? Totally. That oh, yeah. It's, it's going to be tricky. But and again, 2020 mm-hmm. has been tricky, and it seems like most <laughs> most folks have adapted. No so we hope that no it stays doubt. that way. Um, but I think that's going to be it for today's episode. So everybody can go uh, get started on your 2021 budgets now. I know everyone would be really excited to do that yeah that's right <laughs> but if you have any budgeting tips of your own or you know a topic suggestion you'd like us to cover in a future episode if you have any feedback about budgeting or, or comments for us you can email us at the crux at climb uh, also if you could please subscribe to the crux podcast on your favorite platform or leave us a review and let us know what you think you can find us on facebook twitter or linkedin under climb marketing and we're always posting our latest episodes and some blogs and some other great resources there as well um, so that's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Crux. We'll be back next month.
1: Can, is, it, is it like uncool to say like hot take after you say something that like maybe is a hot take? Should I have been like, that's my hot take? Like is, is it not cool when you do that?